All right, we're back again. I don't know why I would say we're back. I think it's because I don't, it doesn't feel like I do this that often. Even though, uh, I mean, I know I miss a couple here and there with everything I'm juggling. Um, but yeah, there was a point when I was podcasting, it was the only thing I was doing. And so it, it didn't feel like I was coming back. Just felt like this week's episode is. Now it feels like I'm coming back. Even though I'm always doing these intros after the fact. Uh, all right, enough jibber jabber. <laughs> I don't know what, yeah, I always like self-critiquing <laughs> the thoughts running through my fucking head when I don't have someone sitting next to me. Um, but yeah, this episode, no bullshit, was hands down one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Uh, Tucker Max is a guy who I've followed for a long time and recently come to know. I want to say I've known him for a long time. I haven't. Um, my sister had his book, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, I think when I was in college or she was in college and I might've been just out. And, um, I remember visiting her and seeing it and she's like, dude, you should totally read this book and you should totally write one. And I was like, I'm not going to fucking write a book. And she's like, no, seriously, like read this guy's stories and tell me that you aren't cut from the exact same cloth. And I remember reading it and I was like, well, I mean, outside of <laughs> short of succeeding sexually, which Tucker does, we were pretty damn close, uh, fairly close. And, you know, what's cool is we come from completely, I don't want to say completely different backgrounds. He dealt with a lot of shit growing up um, in his own way, as have I, in my own way, as have many of my listeners have in your own way. And, um, but he also is a different, he's built differently, right? Like Tucker didn't fight in the UFC. Instead, he had an academic scholarship to Duke for fucking law school. Like brilliant, brilliant book smarts. Also, as streetwise as they get, which I really, really appreciate. And we dive into all this stuff on the podcast. We get his background. I was familiar with his backstory, I think after he went on Aubrey's a while back and um, really had heard of him coming full circle with the introduction to MDMA. Through mutual friends and in a in of course a, a container, not just a party scene, but but actually using it for ceremony, which MDMA can be as as good, if not better, than most plant medicines when it comes to healing traumatic things, because of the fact that it's it's a little bit more um, curated in that you know it's going to open your heart, you know it's going to make you feel good, and it still can stir up some of the old things that can bring things to the surface that previously one might not want to look at. Um, this is, of course, why it's so efficacious in, in treatment-resistant PTSD folks, uh, with the military in particular, and law enforcement, and the fire department, and the list goes on and on. But that was his entry point, and um, as Tucker mentions, he felt like he had to work his way up to get to uh, some of the bigger the bigger ladies, like Miss um, Ayahuasca, and um, he dives into that. And that really brings us to the last two years where we've been. And, and I, you know, I got to meet Tucker. It's crazy when I, when I brought, when we took Bear out of Waldorf and we brought him to a, a co-op uh, in Texas, I, th I really thought I was in the fucking Twilight Zone. I mean, I saw Mickey Willis there so right after Plandemic had come out. Uh, Del Bigtree, both, both these guys have been on my podcast more than once, or at least, at least Mickey's coming on a second time here. And, and, and Del most certainly should come back on a second time. Um, a number of other people that I don't need to name drop that won't want to remain nameless, but were people I watched on fucking TV as a kid, you know, movies, some of my favorite football movies, shit like that. And, um, all these people in one place, I'm like dropping my, I'm dropping my son off and I'm like, wait a minute, you're so-and-so, wait a minute, you're so-and-so. 
And I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, in Bears class was Tucker's son, and they hit it off. And, you know, I mean, I remember hanging out and volunteering some days and, you know, seeing this little kid in camo fatigues and, and uh, shit like that. He's talking about hunting his first white tail. I'm like, who's your dad? And he was like, my dad's Tucker. And I was like, no shit. Um, so it's great. You know, we don't dive into that stuff on the podcast. I thought I'd mention it here. But um, following Tucker, you know, of course, that school was in large part created by people who were thinking in the same way. There was no reason for Waldorf to follow CDC guidelines as a private school. There was no reason to follow CDC guidelines based on the shit science they were proposing. And there was no reason to force upon kids an online education and charge full price, mind you, um, to, 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 to kids where you had, had to sign a document that showed you were going to reduce any amount of screens, iPads, cell phones, TVs, fucking IMAX, you know, like no, no computer work until you're in high school. And some people think that, oh, my kid's going to have a late start then. Bullshit. We all agreed to that. And then all of a sudden, these guys were going to not meet at all. And teacher was bringing by yarn and shit for arts and crafts door to door. I was like, hey, that's real sweet, but I can fucking run to Marshall's. I don't need you to show up for $1,600 a month and have my kid who's in kindergarten tune in online. It's absurd. So many reasons. Uh, we all decided to leave mainstream private school or mainstream public school, and, and that school was born, and it was great. Um, of course, now we homeschool or unschool based on the conversations that I've had with a number of experts, including but not limited to uh, Dr. Thomas Cowan, who's been on this podcast. Great episode if you want to listen to that. We really do dive into education um, on that podcast, which was a, not expected and fantastic as per usual. You know, these. Something I love about podcasting is when you get all the shit you want and then something out of left field comes in and you're like, oh, wow, I had no idea we were going to talk about that. This is amazing. And it shapes the way that I parent or changes the way that I raise my kids, changes the way that I live my life. That's happened a number of times. But anywho, uh, I was blown, pleasantly surprised, not, not surprised by this podcast, but blown away by the, the synchronicities. Of, of Tucker's path and my path in the last two years and what we're doing now. He's got a farm. He's starting a school um, based on Steiner's education and biodynamic farming and all sorts of cool. We're looking at a lot of the same experts in the field um, of farming and experts in the field of food sovereignty and many, many similarities. But this podcast was fantastic. I love Tucker's story. He's a great dude. He's an ally. He's a friend. He's somebody I continue to learn from. He's somebody everyone here should be following because he pumps out a lot more content than I do. Um, I say that for better or worse, I could be pumping out more content and I choose not to. Um, but Tucker, Tucker is an absolute great follow. Uh, with that said, I am back on Twitter at Kingsboo. Still have my fan base there, which is lovely. Uh, my wife and I at living with the Kingsbury's finally got unblocked. And, um, you know, the fit for service app is a great way to get in touch with me. I post, all the shit there. I'm not worried about getting flagged there because it's our fucking app. Um, so that's a great way to get the nitty gritty and to read some articles you may not want to read, but are super important, all that good stuff. But yeah, this is a great one. Uh, support the show, send it to a friend or colleague or family member, somebody who wants to listen to this content and uh, leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show has helped you out in life. Also support our sponsors because they make this show financially possible. I would not be able to do the show without these guys. They pay the bills. They allow me to travel. They allow me to fly guests in and they allow me to carve this space out 
on my daily schedule, not just a podcast, but to research the guests that I'm having on, to read their books, to take the time necessary to study who I'm going to sit across from. And uh, that makes a big, big difference, as I'm sure you may attest uh, to my podcasting style versus another's. That said, enough tooting my own horn. Um, buy these, buy these supplements, buy these meat sticks, see what these companies are up to and follow them. And don't forget to use my little coupon code because that lets them know that I'm, I'm sending them traffic and keeps them supporting the show. And in that way you support the show. So thank you very much for that. Our first sponsor today is an oldie, but a goodie. Um, buy optimizers has been one of the longest supporting, um, sponsors of this podcast and they make supplements that I take on a daily basis. My wife and I, our kids sometimes will take it. Um, if we eat like shit, I'll hook them up with some enzymes and probiotics and gluten guardian and things like that. But this is a regular for me. And I don't always do a ketogenic diet. Many of you know that I've explained this at, in the past, even when I've had ketogenic experts on the show, it's, it's more of a fast in my opinion that I'll run two or three times a year for two to three weeks just to reset my metabolic flexibility. But when I do, I need to assist that. My body is not used to burning fat for fuel. And K-Energize is uh, the website, kenergize.com slash kingsboo is going to bring you to an incredible must-have product called Capex. There are so many research benefits to having good fat in your diet, but there's just one little problem with all this healthy fat. If you can't properly digest the fat in your diet, you won't feel good. To really get the best results from any diet, whether it's carnivore, paleo, keto, or even vegan, I found that there are three things that can really help optimize your results. First, enhance your digestion and elimination. Second, boost your cellular energy. And third, rev up your fat-burning metabolism. Now, you can do all that without any extra nutrients or nutritional supplements, of course. But in my experience, the right supplements certainly can help. And one of the best diet aids I have ever found comes from my friends at Bioptimizers. It's called Capex. What Capex does is three things. First, it breaks down the fats you eat into fatty acids using a proprietary lipase and dandelion extract blend. Most people are eating a lot more good fat in their diet these days. This means you're breaking down the dietary fat into usable energy and not <clears throat> storing it. Second, they transport those fatty acids into the muscles and into the liver. And they have several ingredients that dramatically increase the fatty acid oxidation inside your mitochondria, both in your muscles and liver. In other words, it's more fuel for your motor and more horsepower for your motor. If you take three to five capsules of Capex in the morning on an empty stomach, the energy is incredible. It feels like a cup of coffee and it lasts six to 10 hours and there's no nervous system stimulation. It's a really incredible pre-workout without the caffeine. And again, no matter what diet you're on, Capex can help with enhanced fat loss, assuming you're in a caloric deficit, of course. It won't make up for a bad diet or eating lots of excess calories, but the research behind shows it can raise metabolic rate and boost other fat loss hormones. I highly suggest trying it for yourself. And when you go to www.kenergize.com slash kingsboo, that is K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E dot com forward slash K-I-N-G-S-B-U, you'll automatically get 10% off any package of Capex with coupon code KINGSBOO10, all one word. That's my name, KINGSBOO for short. And with the numbers one and zero at the very end, we're going to link to this in the show notes because um, that is a whopper of a URL. All right, y'all. We are also brought to you today by paleovalley.com. These guys make amazing organic whole food products that are sure to leave you feeling better. They are the most abundantly convenient health food on the planet. And I am a huge fan of these guys. I have been for years. They are with me at all times. I'm talking about the Paleo Valley beef sticks. 
Their beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Many on the market claim grass-fed, but they are actually finished on grains. I dove into this with Eugene Trufnik the other day. I know these guys inside and out. I know the farms that they go to. They source beef only from small domestic farms right in the U.S. They go to every one of their farms. They make sure that they're on the up and up and they're doing what they're claiming to do. They use real organic spices to flavor their beef sticks versus conventional spices often sprayed with pesticides or natural flavors, often made from GMO corn. They ferment their own sticks, which creates naturally occurring probiotics, which are great for gut health. This is super important if you're going to eat anything dehydrated. It's just going to take more for your body to move it. Most of you get that. You eat something dehydrated, you get a little gassy, you get a little bloated. It changes your stool on the back end. If you've read How to Eat Move Me Healthy by Paul Check, which I assume you all have read by now, you find that out. He tells you, you got you to gotta up your hydration if you're going to have dehydrated foods or rehydrate your foods. If you're doing uh, dehydrated fruit in particular, soak it in water, then eat it if you don't want it to take a toll and see something weird coming out the back end. You can avoid all that with Paleo Valley Beef Sticks. They also have incredibly good superfood bars. And the superfood bars are just that. They have superfoods. They're sweetened with dates. There's a little bit of carbohydrate, so they're not going to satisfy your low-carb needs. Stick to the beef sticks if that's the case, if you're going low-carb. But if you're not, or like when I was building out the farm, we had ultra-long days, sun up to sundown. I would snack. I wanted everything. I wanted all my macros. And I wanted the best of that. So while I was out there, I'd snack on the beef sticks to get my proteins and good fats. And I'd also have some of their superfood bars because I wanted the carbohydrates, I needed the extra calories, and I wanted the fiber and all the other goodies that was going to come from that to balance out my meal. Also, I was pounding water and electrolytes to make sure that hot sun wasn't taxing me. And this is what got my dad, who was 70 years old, through these grueling days. This is what we did on a daily. And we'd stop for a meal every now and then, but we want to eat, especially when you're working that hard, sun up to sundown and skipping breakfast. We relied on paleovalley.com to get us through that. Anytime I travel, I got this stuff in my bag. It's in our diaper bag. We go to Barton Springs for the day. If we're staying up paddleboarding, if I have a small moderate road trip, Paleo Valley stuff is on me at all times because if and when I get hit with a hunger pain, I do not want to stop at a gas station and try to source the cleanest shit food on the planet. I'd rather have the very best at my disposal. This stuff lasts an awful long time in your apocalypse pantry as well. Just hint, hint, throw that in there. It's very good to have if, you, if you're like me and you got kids and you want to sleep at night. Have that stuff on lock, something that's ready, that doesn't need to be reheated, that can be eaten at any time of day. It's very important to have that. It's loaded. The grass-fed beef is higher levels, 100% grass-fed beef, much higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, glutathione, nature's super antioxidant. CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, which is the fat that burns fat. Bioavailable protein, and it's keto-friendly, a great protein-rich snack to grab on the go. Check it out, www.paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Discount code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, for 15% off everything in the store. These guys have great supplements as well. Check it all out, paleovalley.com. We're also brought to you today by Organifi.com slash KKP. That's the whole URL, Organifi.com slash KKP. Enter KKP at checkout, and then you're going to get a whopper 20% off everything in the store. Organifi, has, I've been a fan of these guys for a very long time. We had their founder, Drew Canoli, on the podcast a while back. Uh, we're due to have him back on here. Um, Co-founder, actually. But you know these guys started out just giving away information and a lot of the things they were getting into, I was getting into, they were into juicing. And, you know, I think it was right around the time that fat sick and nearly dead had come out. And that was a cool little craze for a while. I'd done a few juice fast, but ultimately it wasn't sustainable because it wasn't convenient. It's not convenient 
to juice something for an hour and it doesn't take an hour to juice, but cleaning, prepping, chopping, shopping, all that shit. It's at least an hour. And even though it's really good in order to make juice taste good, it had a lot of carbohydrates in it. So that was a main issue. Well, how do I make great food convenient for people? So they're going to get things they normally don't get in their diet and balance alkalinity and make themselves a better human, especially if you're working out and, and, or you have high stress in your job and anything else. How can we let food be a critical ingredient in our foundational pieces to make sure that we are optimizing our body, optimizing our sleep, optimizing our stress levels? And Organifi set out to do that. And they did it in an incredible way. They not only made these products convenient and easy to get, they made them taste great with high quality organic ingredients and only three grams of carbohydrates, only three grams of sugar per serving, which is remarkable. It is remarkable that these taste that good because a lot of this stuff's bitter. I mean, if you play with, different ingredients in the greens department, shit gets overly bitter real quick. Even with the reds, the Organifi red juice is something that I have every day pre-workout. I don't train every day, but I'm getting back to training maybe five days a week now that I'm doing a bit more jujitsu and and boxing alongside the weightlifting. And it's a mainstay pre-workout because it helps increase nitric acid, nitric oxide rather in the body. It helps with the fermented beet juice extract to Give me the pump that I'm looking for. And it does work in the bedroom. And it also tastes great. If your kids are, are looking for a sugary snack and I tell them, hey, you want some red juice? My kids love that. That satisfies their sweet tooth with only three grams of carbohydrates. You know, if you're going to get the carbohydrates, eat them, eat fruit, eat berries, eat a starch. You don't need to drink them down. Um, you're training for the Tour de France. Sure. But even then, eat the bulk of your carbohydrates. You don't need to be sucking down gels and blends and gummies and things like that. Uh, like I said, Organifi has continued to grow their product line and they have some fantastic ones. Glow is an excellent product. If you're big into bone broth like I am, or you supplement with collagen, glow can be an excellent plant-based way to enhance collagen synthesis in the body using natural products like amla berry. Vitamin C is very necessary if you want to take collagen and actually utilize that into tissue repair or hair, skin, and nail growth for beauty. It takes Really good vitamin C to help your body do that. All the collagen in the world isn't going to give you what you need without enough vitamin C. And of course, you can take vitamin C, but this whole product, Glow, was designed to help you produce and and use the collagen that you're taking in a way that's going to be beneficial for your body in all the ways that I just mentioned. And it tastes fantastic. Uh, They also just came out with a little pumpkin spice evening blend. Many of you heard me talk about the gold. The gold is incredible. It's my nightcap for myself, my wife, my kids request it. We do a very high fat version where we heat up some coconut cream fresh from the can, full fat. We blend that in with one of them little hand jobbers. Maybe it's not a hand jobber, hand whisker. There we go. Hand jobber, something else. Uh, The hand whisker. That's what we'll use. And then all of a sudden we have a frothy, delicious drink that now comes in chocolate. And it might sound weird, but the chocolate with the turmeric still tastes ridiculous. It's like a spiced hot cocoa. And with now with the pumpkin spice, it's just another great way to unwind after a long, stressful day, especially after we ship from this summer heat. You will be wanting that more and more and more as we enter these colder months. And it's an excellent way to celebrate the day. Like I know when I have that, that's a treat in the evening. It's not a, it's not a two fingers of Jack Daniels. It's none of this other shit that's going to have, um, deleterious effects on my body, everything in there is going to help my body. It's going to optimize sleep. It's going to optimize stress levels. And that's really what this company is all about. Check it out. 
Organifi.com slash KKP. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash KKP. And use code KKP at checkout for 20% off everything in the store. These guys are fantastic. All right, y'all. Last but most certainly not least, one of my longest sponsors, Lucy.co. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O. Is a fantastic company developed by Caltech engineers. This is the greatest entry point into nicotine. You know, many of you have heard me talking and you know, beating the drum on the benefits of nicotine for years. And it's not just me; it's some of the greatest health experts and people in health and wellness you've ever heard of. Well, why nicotine? I thought nicotine's bad. Cigarettes are bad. Fuck yeah, they're bad. Chemicals uh, brought to you by big industry, big agriculture, big pharma. That's not good for you. But Mother Nature, the way Mother Nature designed it without all the additives and the extra shit, that's, that actually works pretty damn well. And for the longest time, tobacco was a plant medicine. Indigenous cultures from North America, South America, all over the world used tobacco to connect to themselves on a deeper level, to connect to the ancients as a bridge in communication, to help jog the mind as a muse. Uh, any great artists, or not any great artists, but many great artists, whether they're performing on stage, doing stand-up, whether they're writing a book, will use some form of nicotine to help jog the brain and tap them in. This works too if you're studying for something. And I'm not telling kids, go out and get your nicotine. What I'm saying is, if you're in college and you're over the, the, the correct age, fuck Adderall, fuck all that other stuff. This is something that will enhance the brain. And as it turns out, most nootropics that people are taking are trying to create more acetylcholine in the brain, which is the exact receptor that nicotine fits into. So if you consider what every nootropic is trying to accomplish, nicotine already does like a master skeleton key that fits into every lock that you want it to for increased memory, increased cognition, better language recall, all of the things, memorization. And as Dr. Andrew Hebron pointed out many times on Rogan's, one other thing is necessary when we learn in order for the body to really retain it, and that's dopamine. That's our feel-good neurotransmitter. And nicotine kicks off dopamine like you wouldn't believe. That's why it feels good. So people are like, ah, you know, I want to have, I want to have my, my, uh, after dinner, Lucy, I want to have my after sex, Lucy. It just feels great. You've already got really high levels of dopamine. Let's stack it with a little bit more. Holy shit. I'm in bliss here. I'm in the bliss field. It is phenomenal. And, uh, it's an excellent way. They're, they're all four milligrams, which is a perfect starting place for people. Um, Listen, the government is banning vapes. The government is reducing the amount of nicotine in cigarettes. There's never been a better time to try Lucy. They have great flavors and multiple strengths. They're the only nicotine pouch with a capsule inside that keeps it fresh. Uh, I love their pouches. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year, and we're well into the new year here. Why not continue the new year by switching to a new nicotine product that you can feel good about? And uh, I got to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Remember, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code KKP. All right, good. We got that out of the way. Lucy.co, lucy.co. KKP at checkout, 20% off everything in the store. I absolutely love these guys. Thank you for supporting this podcast and welcome to the show, my dude, Tucker Max. You're saying they win in the end. 
we're talking sheepdog here. We've yeah. been talking, and I just hit record because I don't like losing valuable, valuable airtime and talking. Um, there's the clap for you. Um, yeah, we we had a uh, the final drill, of the final day. Yeah, they asked me to be with the coaches, yeah, right, and course. they brought Manny in too, who's yeah. an expert level competitive yeah. black belt from Lodi, California. He's so good, so good. Yeah. I was avoiding him, so I was like joking about you <laughs> Dude, ducking me. I was like, so I'm ducking good. him, and I didn't even I didn't even hesitate to say it. I was yeah. Like, I want nothing to do with you. Yeah. But yeah, when he invited me to be one of the coaches, I was like, cool. That means I don't have to go against any of you. Yeah. I don't have cardio for that right yeah. now. And um, yeah, we went on the wall, and Chantry, who's I'm 240 right now, thanks yeah. to the pastries I've been eating. Yeah. He's an inch shorter than me. Yeah, Seven-year SF, uh, I think over 10-year SWAT team, APD. Yeah. And and the brown same belt. weight. Yeah, he's just got his brown belt. Yep. He's a fucking stud. He's a beast. He's a, he is a killer. Imagine, a imagine me with Tim Kennedy's skill set. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. this guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was he pulled me aside and he's like, all right, these, this, we gotta make him earn it. It's level two. It's not yeah. level one protector. It's level two. All right. Really put it to these guys. You know, don't knock them out. <laughs> Obviously, they don't, <laughs> because right. they don't have mouthpieces. Because they don't have mouthpieces. It's mostly wrestling. And I was like, I should have these often and just slap real easy. And he's yeah. like, no, you'll be able to pummel with them. And I was like, yeah. all right. And um, he's like, you know, just make everyone work. Make yeah. them work. Fucking gas them. I want to make yeah. someone quit from making them tired. And yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, heard. It's like, they win in the end. Yeah. But, but. Push him to the breaking point, basically. Yeah, so that's yeah. what we did. Yes. And it pushed me to my breaking point. I yes. was fucking spent, dude. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of them. Uh, Manny's training partner, uh, the big dude. Quick shot, really yeah, good shot. Yeah. yeah, he came in and he was. He took me down a couple of times and landed full shoulder in. And I was like, ooh, and he's like, yeah. sorry, sorry. And I'm like, no, that's okay. It's, it's real wrestling. It's all uh, good. Yeah, we're right. going live. Yeah, Matt was right, though. And he's like, oh, like you guys, you know, you were pitter-patting at first because I, finally I got Matt down and then Matt reversed me on the ground and I'm like, this motherfucker, like, and then I threw an arm bar and I'm like, all right, let's, let's we all play, let's play. Yeah. And then the next, I had Steve next time and I like, I did a full blast double on him. I'm like, all right, I'm not fucking around anymore. I yeah. like went in. Well, I think that uh, should have been, I mean, with the exception of striking, it's live. Like that should have been made, made apparent right from the jump. I like it. When I it's did like, not quite understand. This is the final one. We want you to work card that's kind of saying it but not saying it yeah. you know like yeah. it, i knew the speed we were supposed to go yeah well that might sure be part of it is like right le, yeah let's see if they turn on yeah they understand yeah 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 like you know? how, how can we get this yeah. to drive it out of because ultimately those are those are some of the unteachable things that have to be presented to people so they know is this for me or is it not like what tim said at the very yeah. end you know you 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 pack every day. You do all this shit. You have a fucking tourniquet on you at all times. You do that or you don't, and yeah. you're not. But don't pretend that's what you're doing. Yeah. Like, you either say I'm all in and you commit to it and you train every day, yeah. or you say I'm not. It's not for me, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with either, but that to me made a lot of sense. There was a guy in there who who I, th I think uh, Enzo, who's one of the instructors, mm -hmm. and he wants to train and get into MMA. Right. And he was asking me, like, what's the most important thing for me to do? Should I be doing more Muay Thai? Should I be sparring more? Should I be? I'm like, get used to getting punched. Because yeah. we've had, you know, Division One champion wrestlers come through AKA, and you got Kane, you got DC, you got me, you got Rockhold, right. and I throw me in there loosely. Like, these guys all became world stop champion, it, right? Stop it. You're but at I'm that saying, level, dude. Stop I'm just saying. I trained with world champs. That yeah, was yeah. great. These guys come right in, and phenomenal wrestling pedigree. Better than DC was in college. Yeah, better right. than Kane was in college. Yeah. And if they never got used to getting hit, they'd fight twice, lose yeah. twice, and yeah. fucking hang it up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like you got to get They're used to used getting to hit. failing. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, it's really about like, can sure. I, can I, you don't have to enjoy it. No. But you got to be able to can take you deal it, with it, roll it. Can you deal with it yeah. and then come back for more, yeah. you know? And if you don't make, if you don't make that happen early on, 
You're just jerking off. You're going in circles the whole yeah. time. You could fucking train for 10 years, but it doesn't matter because if shit hits the fan, you're the same guy right. who doesn't like getting hit in the face. That's a problem. That's that's a liability. That's an issue, right? Dude, getting hit in the face is a thing like, uh, it's not like I did anything, you know, I didn't even compete in MMA, but I've done tons of Muay Thai and, and training with that. Um, but like, it's a very different, it's like you don't really know how you're going to react until it happens. Like, doesn't matter how tough, you're exactly right. Doesn't matter how tough you are, how strong you are, whatever. It's one of those things where it's very much, there's certain things in life that force you to go inside and look at who you are. And getting punched in the face is one of those things. It really, it really is. Yeah. It's not the only test, but it is a test where it's like, okay, I just got hit. What am I going to do now? Like, yeah, do a, I back very up? Good do test. I go forward? Do I stay? Like, it is. It is... The first time I ever got, I remember, I, I was uh, in L.A. I lived in L.A. for two years. I, I started training uh, uh, when Legends first opened, when Randy Couture Dope. was there, yeah, and yeah, Boz yeah. Rutan, and Carl Parisian. This is back when the UFC fighters couldn't afford, like, they didn't get paid, so they had to train. So, like, my, the classes were, like, Carl Parisian would lead one, um, uh, Mac Danzig, uh, Dan Hardy, Bo, like, Boz would actually lead classes. I remember one time I held a pad for him in a de demonstration. I thought he was going to break my leg. And he <laughs> wasn't even trying pad. that hard. <laughs> Dude, his kicks were like, he, oh, my God. I don't think he has a soft gear. Dude, it's <laughs> insane. But I'll, like, uh, you know, we it was just, you know, it was a normal class stuff. It wasn't the, the competitive stuff. But like, the first time a dude railed me hard, like it was like a sparring session. It was the first time I'd ever sparred. And I got hit and it was like, there was definitely a part of me that's like, you should quit right now. You should stop. And it was like, no, hold on. I don't want to be that dude. Like, I'm not going to quit, right? Uh, but it does. It makes you really, like, what the hell do I do now? You know? And all the meditation, it's, all the breath work, all the things you do to quiet the mind, that's yeah, great yeah. when when the weather's perfect and when, you know what I'm saying? Like when everything's it. going good. Yeah. How to, and then and you yeah. think about these applications. Like that was the first, the first time I got in an ice bath, I realized the translation. Yeah, right. If I can slow the fuck down and not freak out getting a 32-degree water, not 40, not 50, not 60, which yeah. all has benefit. Yeah, but yeah, if yeah. I can do that at 32, 33, 34, yeah. if it's I can get different. quiet mind. It's different. That that translates. It translates to getting cut off in traffic. It translates to your boss saying you did a shit job. It translates to your wife saying you're not doing enough. It translates to all those things. Yes. It's like, oh, yes. okay. Now I'm working this in an actual yes. stressful situation where my body says it knows. Right. You need I'm going to gonna die if I stay in here too long. <laughs> Death is on the line you gotta if go. I stay here too long, right? <laughs> yeah, it's important uh, stuff. It is. It is. Well, let's backtrack here. I usually start from the beginning and uh, maybe it's like a Tarantino film or, or uh, something else where you yeah. start with the ending and work your way back. Um, we just had Sheepdog Level 2. But talk about life growing up. Talk about w your education. What got you into authoring and all the good yeah. stuff? All right. So, um, grew up, you know, uh, my parents were iconic baby boomers. Like, they, you know the movie Blow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About yeah. Georgia? My parents, Georgie, you would have been great at anything. Dude, my parents met at one of George Young's Coke parties in Manhattan Beach in the 60s. Dope. No, seriously. <laughs> my mom was a flight attendant for Pan Am. My dad had grown up in L.A., and they, they lived in Manhattan Beach. You, you, there's like a scene in the movie where it's like, all oh, the flight attendant. Yeah, dude, like that was real. And so my parents were iconic baby boomers, and so which meant like they weren't horrible people, but they were horrible parents. Like they didn't give a shit about anyone but themselves. They all the broken, narcissistic, whatever. So like I grew up um, very lonely as a kid, alone, lonely, neglected, but like middle-class kind of neglect. Like I, I had food, you know, I had fine clothes. I went to school. It wasn't like uh, being abandoned or anything, you know, um, uh, literally abandoned. It was more emotionally abandoned, right? 
And so like, um, which, you know, as a kid, I didn't really know any different. I'm like, oh, well, this is how it is. And I didn't really realize how hard that was and how traumatic that was. Like, cause you don't, there's not a narrative for it, especially now, finally now people are starting to understand, oh, this is like really hard. Um, and so like, uh, but I, I always did well in school. You know, I'm smart. And then also here's the, uh, I, I know so many smart entrepreneurs who are super successful who did terrible in school and they're very insecure about it. And I always tell them like, listen, man, school's just a game. Like you figured out the game of business. School is a game too. They just convinced you it wasn't a game. They convinced you it's a true test of ability and measurement. It's not. And I, I would I just explain the school game to them. It really is just understanding what does the mind of the person in the front of the class think the answer is supposed to be. Your job in school is to figure that out, to get good grades. I mean, that's it. It's just understanding what they think the answer is, not what the answer actually is. And I can't tell many people been like, oh my God, you're totally right. I just figured that out almost intuitively early on. And so, yeah, I'm smart, but it's, being smart is not the key to being good at school. It's understanding that. And so I did really well, you know, like uh, boarding schools, University of Chicago for undergrad, Duke for law school. Like I'm a white dude who got a, you know, an academic scholarship to a top 10 law school. So like, but it's just playing the game well is really all it was. And so that got out of, uh, uh, you know, lonely childhood. I'm going to excel through academics. I was okay at sports, but not, 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 not good enough to do it at any serious level, but academics I was good at. And then did, did, you know, follow that path, kind of bought into that path because I was good at it, right? Even though half of me knew it was a bullshit game, the other half is like, well, I'm getting a lot of praise and reward and whatever. So, and then um, I worked as a lawyer. Uh, you know, you, you summer between your second and third year of law school, you go to a firm and you like kind of, it's not, you, you play work for a while and they pay you and then... Um, I got fired two and a half weeks into being a lawyer, right? <laughs> Which is impossible. Like it's no, it doesn't happen to anybody. I did. And it's because I, I, looking back on it now, it's very clear. I realized what a horrible soulless um, uh, bo- prison it was. But I didn't have either the emotional maturity or the courage to recognize it to myself and to do what I, deep down I knew what I needed to do was stop going, like get out of this path, right? And so what I did was I did what an immature young dude does. I I acted out and forced them to kind of make the decision for me, which is why I have no resentment. Even then I was like, man, they're probably right to fire me. I was an unguided missile. Like you can't have people like I was at the time in a law firm, no. And so anyway, I got fired and then I went to work for my dad. My dad owns a bunch of restaurants in South Florida. And, um, <laughs> dude, uh, the restaurant business, which is, a, that is the business where super smart, talented people who are like kind of broken or disturbed or can't fit in anywhere else where they go to excel. I got fired from the family business, the <laughs> restaurant business in six months. <laughs> you lasted longer though. You extended the streak, right? I did. I, Maybe I, that's just because it was family. They put up with more. Uh, it's also restaurant business. Um, yeah, but like my, it, but that wasn't for skill. I didn't get fired for or, or for being too reckless. I actually, wasn't compared to most people in the restaurant business. I wasn't that reckless. It was more that like I came in, I was so dumb as a twenty-five-year-old in terms of understanding life because m- most of my life experience in my life was academics, where it's like if you follow the rules, 
Yeah, like their rules, you can do, you can break all kinds of fucking rules as long as you're following the pretense of the school's rules, right? Which I was super good at. Um, but I got into real life and I'm like, oh, I can do the same thing. Totally different. I really did not understand office politics. And so I got, I got in my dad's business and it was full of, of these psychophantic, ass-kissing uh, ego massagers who were terrible at their job. And so that should have been the cue to me. Oh, that my dad hires them because that's what he wants. Instead, what I was like, well, my name's on the door. Like the place is called Max's Grill. Like, of course, of co- and I'm right. These people all suck. So of course my dad will back me. No. <laughs> no, seriously. I was like, I was like, I didn't even told everybody. You guys all suck at your jobs. I'm gonna, f- I'm gonna get all of you fired. This, yeah, th- th- there should be 50 of these restaurants, not five. This is bullshit. Well, they understood my dad in office politics much better than I did, uh, and they, col- uh, they, they closed ranks and and figured out a way to get my dad to fire me. And you know, I did enough to like. Uh, 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 like one time there was a, a bachelorette party that came into the restaurant and like, of course, I was 25 and young. And so I spent a bunch of time talking to them. And one of the girls ended up uh, blowing me in the bathroom. No, there's no problem in the restaurant. And the, the table was very happy. Like they didn't complain. They were stoked. Like they, we had a great time, right? Uh, but, you know, their managers are like, oh, your son's out of control. And, and, uh, and so like I did enough of those things uh, where... Um, my dad just like he wanted. That's his a great way universe. to go out, though. Full job in the bathroom. Fuck <laughs> yeah! If I'm going down, it's going down this way. It's gonna, yeah. This is all get fired now. Yes. Um, <laughs> but what's funny is like I, I was 25 or 26 when, when my dad fired me, and so like at that point, man, it's like fuck, dude. I went to I was so good at school, and the two things I I trained for at school, law and business, like I've been fired from quickly. And like when you get fired by your dad from the family business. It was, uh, it, it does create some, I, I wasn't good at soul searching at the time, but I was definitely like, what the fuck, right? And so during the, I lived in Florida, which uh, now Florida's a lot better, but 20 years ago, Florida was really, it was old people and uh, people who go to clubs and do drugs. And I, I didn't neither. This is long before I found psychedelic medicine. And I had never done any of that stuff before. I Like I grew up in the eighties and I was definitely a child of like, you know, dare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right? And then also, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Any of course, questions? I bought yeah. all the propaganda. I didn't realize it was propaganda at the time. But also, truly, in my life, uh, growing up, the people who were losers did drugs. Like the actual losers also did drugs. So it was a. It wasn't just propaganda. There was a life association for mm-hmm. me. And the people I liked and knew and were cool didn't. And so I was like, oh, okay, of course. And so. Um, you know, South Florida is like, well, I'm not into old women, right? And I'm not into like, you know, like I'm not going to clubs and doing coke. So it was like, there was not, like culturally, it's a total, it was a total wasteland. It still kind of is, but it's much better now. It was awful then. And so I hated everything about my life. And I'd write these emails to my friends about like, that were funny about how much, you know, my life sucked. And um, my buddy, after I got fired from my the family business, was like, look, dude, clearly law and business are not your thing. But these emails you're writing are the funniest thing ever. This is what you, you know, you should focus on this. And I'm like, what are you telling me to do? Be a writer? What am I, a bitch? Like, get the fuck out of it. No, because I was a total, like, I, the thing, I instead of going to law, if I hadn't gone to law school, I literally would have gone to work for Goldman Sachs or McKinsey. So I was, I, that was my mindset. I was totally that type of fucking asshole, right? And so, like, um, I was like, what, what bitch would be a writer? Not me. Writers for, you know, like these, you know, artsy-fartsy douchebag, like, no, fuck. 
And he's like, well, <laughs> what else are you going to do, dude? And, uh, and, and so like, uh, I, I was like, all right, fine. And I, uh, I put like, I put my five, oh no, I took the five best emails. Cause at the time, this is 2002. If you're going to be a writer, the only way to do it is through the system, right? Like you're, you're in Maxim magazine was huge at the time. And like, you know, you're, there's a couple places your writing has to be published for you to be a quote writer. And so, which, you know, like millennials now, like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't understand. It was different then. Uh, and so I sent my stuff to every publisher and every agent I could, uh, I could find. Um, it was like, I had to go to like a physical library. There was a physical book that had all their names and addresses. I printed stuff out and sent it to them because most of them weren't on email at the time. And I, I got a hundred percent rejection. Like I, I, I sent out between 500 and a thousand query letters. And, you know, 95%, there was no response. And then I got, you know, whatever, 20 or 30 or 50 form letter rejections. And then I actually had two, I think it was three or four personalized rejections. Like this is, what you sent me is so horrible. Not only should you never be a writer, you should never write an email again. Like it's really, it was like, this is the worst. This You're is a terrible offensive. person. You're a horrible person. Like, uh, I can't believe I share a planet with you. It was a shit like that. And so, but, Okay, at the time, a lot of people were like, well, how did that not despirit you? And I'm like, okay, there's a reason why. One, because I was the same arrogant, ignorant idiot who gets fired from the family business. But also, during that period, you know, I, I sent my emails to my friends from law school. It was like nine of us. They would forward them. They would send them to their friends. I started getting my, you're about my age. You remember email forwards? Like mm -hmm. the early stage of the internet, right? I started getting my emails forwarded back to me. Like going viral in 2002 meant email forwards. And so like a friend from high school would send my email to me and be like, dude, you should read this. It's so funny. And I'm like, dude, scroll down. Look at the header. Remember how email header? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. I wrote that. And he's like, oh, well, no wonder. Like I, I thought it sounded like you. And so I knew objectively people were finding my stuff funny. So I'm like, okay, which you think about, it, this is kind of funny at the time. I'm like the people in New York who get paid to find uh, new writers are all wrong. I'm right because I'm. There's this other piece of evidence. It turns out I was right, but you get it, it does take a bit of absurd arrogance to to kind of do that, which I had at the time. Thankfully, it was one of the benefits of of youthful stupid arrogance. And so I um I, I went on after I got full rejection. I'm like, well, fuck it. The internet exists. I'll just put it on the internet. And so I went GeoCities. Remember GeoCities, right? I, I uh, it was like, yo, you don't even remember. No, I don't remember. Oh, GeoCities. dude, it's like old school. Basically, like to have a website, you had to learn to program HTML. And mm. so GeoCities like made it easy. So I put up my own site, and then it blew up. Like I, uh, I got linked on College Humor, which was just starting off at the time. You were, and they they loved my stuff. So every time I put out a new story, they, it would link, and it blew up. And then MTV did a thing on me because I had like a dating application like as a joke and this is back when meeting people on the internet was super weird and creepy and nobody did it and so of course I was uh, because I was you know a loser at the time and had no job and I'm like alright I'll meet girls on the internet and it ended up really for the most part going super well um, uh, at least you know as well as it could be. And so then uh, it kind of blew up a bunch of publishers came back to me and were like like some of the younger smart editors were like, oh yeah, like this dude's like huge on the internet. Got a publishing deal, did finish my book. It came out in January of 06 and uh, hit the New York Times bestseller list for two weeks, only based on my email list, which it's so funny. Everyone now is like, oh, email list, email list. I had a massive email list and by accident. Like when I put my site up, one of my techie nerd friends was like, oh, you should put an email capture on there. And I just threw it on. I didn't even know what it was for. And then when the book came out, I'm like, 
wow, there's 100,000 people who want, like, this is amazing. <laughs> That's a pretty good starting I know, place. right? Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, uh, I ended up selling like 10,000 books the first two weeks, which was no press. Not, no one covered this book. Not, no mainstream, nothing. Which was like awesome. And then um, it kind of fell off. And then, you know, the sales got down to about 800 a week, which is still pretty good. But then it started picking back up. And and uh, mainly through word of mouth. Uh, two things, word of mouth and I had my best stories on my website for free. They still are. Like I've never, um, you know, it's like uh, let people try it for free and they send, everyone sends it, send it around to their friends, whatever. And this is like, this is pre-MySpace. This is, well, I started off. By 06, MySpace existed, but was still kind of small. And so it just kind of took off, man. I became one of, by accident, like I think I was the first blog to bestseller the first blog to movie, me and this uh, one other girl who did the Julia and Julia series, like where she cooked all Julia Child stuff. Her and I both were like right, you know, almost the uh, uh, week, week to week, we were doing the same thing. And it kind of took off. And then, because I was, I was one of those dudes who was saying the right thing at the right time that never would have made it mainstream, but I came up right as the internet kind of opened up. And I was willing, not even willing to go that path. I just had no, I had no other options. You know, like I kind of failed into what would end up becoming the gold mine of all gold mines. You know? And yeah. then you did for writing what Rogan did for podcasting. Like yeah, right time, right place. Totally. Totally. A hundred percent. And so then that really took off. Books, you know, I've sold, I don't know, three, four million copies of just of those, the Frat Tire books. The New York Times ended up doing a big piece about me and some other people, basically dudes who couldn't get published mainstream, but they were thriving on the internet. And I was like me and this guy Maddox, who wrote that, like he used to critique children's artwork and like make fun of it. And, like, <laughs> he was super famous for that. And there was a few other people. Um, and uh, they called it Frat Tire, which is hilarious because I wasn't in a fraternity and my stuff isn't satire. It's like just my real stories. But it's the New York Times, so they can't get basic facts right. So anyway, so it took off. And so my beer and my first book, Help Us Serve Beer and Hell, spent like five years on the bestseller list. I know, dude, it was like a cultural phenomenon. It took off. And um, and then there was a movie made about it, which didn't do that well uh, for a lot of different reasons. Mostly my own fault. And then, um, yeah, then, then it, like, I got to the point where it was like, I was, you know, mid-30s, and I'm like, man, I'm sick and tired of being an idiot 26-year-old. You know, like I'm 34. This isn't fun anymore. And it wasn't, a lot of people try to put the 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 uh, the narrative on, oh, you reformed or apologized or repudiated. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I was an idiot at the time in a lot of ways. I did a lot of individual things that were totally fucked up and that like I shouldn't have done and it were wrong for various different reasons. But it's not like, no, I was wrong. No, I wasn't. That was who I was and that was my life. And a lot of it was fucking fun and I'm super glad I did the vast majority of it. Um, I mean, it was a stage I had to go through and I went through it. The, the thing that sucked is just like, if I hadn't gotten famous for writing about drinking and hooking up and partying, I would have stopped somewhere about 30 to 32, 33, but it became my job, right? And then it was like, oh, I got to like, that's the one thing like with pro fighters, I've never understood, not that I was ever good, even close to good enough to being a pro fighter, but the thing that always seems shitty to me is like, I went to train MMA or jiu-jitsu because I like it, 
I don't think I would, if I had to do it as my job, it feels like, oh. It does God. change it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The business aspect. Right. Like, I, like it, that's a, th- uh, not, I'd never had to make the decision, but even just thinking about it in my mind, I was like, man, I'm happy I don't have to make this my job. Right. And so when it, writing, I loved. But when partying became my job, that and then just being, there's a certain age I got to where I'm like, okay, I've hooked up with a hundred times more girls than I ever thought I needed to or wanted to. And yeah, a lot of it's been fun, but like, oh, this is really like demoralizing now and and objectifying to me and like soul sucking, right? Like it took me... Some dudes can figure that out, one or two hookups. It took me, yeah, maybe a thousand or two thousand. It took me a lot, man. Uh, so like, but I eventually figured it out. Um, and and I, I eventually, intuitively almost, less consciously, but more intuitively realized like, this is all escapism, you know? Now I can see it very, super clearly. At the time, I didn't quite, I didn't admit that to myself. I just knew I didn't like it anymore. It didn't feel good anymore. And so um, uh, I started... Not this wasn't like a sharp thing. There's a lot of stuff that, but basically I started therapy. And so, you know, being, you know, rich white dude, talk therapy, psychoanalysis, I went and found the best analyst I could and four day four times a week, uh, uh, for four years. Um, and it was great. Like it really helped me understand my issues and understand all this sort of stuff. It's not great at feeling emotions, but like uh I I mean I got very good at understanding what all the stuff was and why I didn't want to do it and all that sort of stuff. And um, and then met my wife, Veronica. And then, you know, we like got married, kid. And it was like, I stopped analysis because, you know, it there, talk therapy because it just wasn't really working anymore. And then um, long, like, it was like, it took me, basically I had to start suffering so much that at almost every stage, it's like I now I'm finally getting to the point where I don't need to suffer too much before I start to see there's an issue and fix it. But but definitely at the time I was at that. And then my my son was born. And that was for for all the obvious reasons, I just assumed I was gonna have all daughters. And definitely my first kid would be a daughter, right? <laughs> and all the you know, universe came back to you. It was a son. And what that brought up was all my issues with my dad. You know, and, and, you know, people always, uh, I'm sure you same, you got the same thing. People probably tell, oh, your kids are going to teach you so much. And I remember when people would tell me that, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? The, the kids too. He can't yeah. read. I never taught my dad shit. Right. That is, where what do you get that from? What the fuck is he going to teach me, you <laughs> idiot? I understand what they mean. What they mean is your child is a mirror that will reflect yourself onto yourself. And if you are open and willing, you are going to learn a shit. You are going to learn a shitload. They're not teaching on purpose or consciously, but they are teachers in a sense. I did not understand that until my son was born. And, you know, my wife's amazing. And then her mom moved to Austin. And so his entire life was being doted over and loved on by two amazing women. That brought up so much in me. Not envy of him, but like, it was what I didn't have as a kid. And so I was seeing it in front of me all the time. And it was like, dude, that was, and I didn't even, I was angry and like, I had a lot of emotions coming and I had no idea how to handle them. And, you know, some of them spilled onto her and and whatever, but like, you know, my wife's like, she's no joke. She's like a Viking queen. Like she's six feet tall. Like she's like, she's like 
maybe she's not stronger than me, but woman, pound for pound, woman versus man scale. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm she's 10%. Higher in, she's in the higher percentage. Right, for right. Sure. Like, in, like she was a competitive CrossFitter and all that, right? And I'm like just struggling to like, you know, keep you from killing me, right? So <laughs> like she's a, a badass woman. And so like she's like, no, 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 you're not putting this on me, right? Like you gotta, you need to go get help. And so um, I eventually found psychedelic medicine. And a friend of mine, had, you know, I've known Aubrey for years, right? And Aubrey, like, bless his heart, like, six, seven, eight years ago, was like, you should be doing ayahuasca. And I'm like, Aubrey, dude. And I, I like, I love Aubrey. I joke with him about this. So, like, I, I'm like, Aubrey, brother, I see your life. It's all, it's eight years ago, especially. I'm like, it's all <laughs> fucked up, dude. Like, if you told me to breathe, I would stop. I don't, like, wait, stop. I don't want that. <laughs> right? Now, that would, that's a whole separate issue. And, you know, Aubrey's evolved immensely, incredibly over the last eight years, as have I. But, like, a lot of the people telling me to do psychedelics before I was ready, it was their own stuff. But then also, like, I, I couldn't hear it either. And a buddy of mine did MDMA therapy. is was about five years ago. And I saw the change in him. And I was like, that's what I want. That is that change. And so uh, he set me up with his guide, uh, this woman, Ann Other, who's like kind of famous in the, in the field. Um, she's in New York. And I went up there. And it was like, oh, fuck, as soon as, like, because I had never done drugs, dude. Never. Like, of in, I, like which, like, a lot of people can't understand. How did you party so much and then you never did X at a club? I'm like, no, I hated clubs. I liked beer and women. And if it was not beer or women or vodka, I was not putting it in my body. And, um, man, the first time it hit me, it was like, I was like, oh, my God, man. Like, what? part of it was like, regret like why didn't I do this sooner this is amazing but then like I got past my own you know issues and I felt the deepest I realized I had never felt love in my life and this was with a wife kid and and I loved I I loved them with everything I had at the point but what I realized was I had never actually felt love truly and I felt the love was so dude I was crying like uh, to her like I felt like I was bursting you know, and then, which, you know, I'm sure you've had the same experiences. This is pretty common for a lot of people. And then that, that was about four years ago. Now I've really gone on that journey of, um, uh, psychedelic, but it's not the psychedelics. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, it's a magic pill. It's not a fucking magic pill. If anything, it's the opposite of magic pill because it's like sh shit will often get, uh, harder before it gets easier. As it did for me, it got really hard, man. Like, because all, all of that grief and sadness and pain and neglect and all of that that I didn't feel as a kid that I pushed away because it was too much, you know, it all comes up. You know how it works. And so the last four years for me have been feeling that. Like, I, like I, I already thought my way through it. I knew what all my issues were. Like, I knew my mom didn't want me. I knew that intellectually 10 years ago. I had not felt that, that grief, that true, deep, profound, soul-crushing grief. I had never felt it because it's too much. It's overwhelming. Really, only in the last year and a half have I really, I think, gotten to the, the deepest levels of that and started to feel that. And so, um, yeah, like that, uh, I'm not even really through it, I don't think, but I'm, I'm in it. And I'm, I've gotten, I think, most of the life trauma process just means I felt it. And then yeah. so I'm able to let it go, right? Uh, you know, the event's still there. The memory's still there. It still sucks. But it's no. I'm no longer carrying the anchor of grief. I've cut the anchor, even though I know it happened. And it's always going to be sad, but it's not, um, I'm not, it's not holding me back, I think, anymore. 
And so, yeah, then in the meantime, I started, you know, a, a, com- a company to help people write and publish books, uh, Scribe. We did David Goggins' book, uh, a bunch of others, which I just exited from in December. And so now it's like, now I'm, it's so funny. Uh, uh, now I literally, uh, all I do is I live on a place a lot like where you are, right? I have land except dripping. It's an hour west. Uh, sheep, cattle, chickens, kids. We just started a school that, you know, like uh, us and some other families for them. That's pretty much all I do now, man. Is- yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. I would love to be able to pull. Well, I do love my job. I've, I've created pretty much, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, but I have created a way to get paid to learn. Yeah. That's what I to do. To do what you like. Yeah, I do yeah. what I like. And, and, and it is self-directed. Nobody's yes. telling me yeah, who to yeah. have on the podcast. Nobody's nope. telling me what I need to teach at Fit for Service events with Aubrey. Like, you yeah. got full fucking reign, dude. Yeah. You want a two hours? Go you got to two it. hours, right? Yep. Teach, what you, teach what you're working on. Um, but since we started the farm, it is, it is like another full-time job. Yeah. It's like, yeah. fuck, man. It would be oh, it really is. nice to just not focus. have to deal with anything and focus right on this. And, I, and I've created pockets for that. But... um. I like juggling it. And so it's really about how can I juggle uh, all these things it's and manage a lot of work, at the same time. Dude. We got a lot of help here, which which definitely yeah. helps. But let's rewind a little bit to um the last couple of years with shit hitting the fan. And yeah. just to just to state with what you said before we move on, like when I had bear, I mean, right. I had already done ayahuasca. Yeah. I thought I had yeah. worked through all the shit with my dad, all the shit with my <laughs> no, mom. Man. I was like, fucking, the kids why am I it. feeling this now? Yeah. You know, and it fucked me up royal, dude, especially yeah. when he got to the age. Where I needed to discipline him. Yeah. Because all that, the discipline shit that happened with me came yeah. fucking full circle. And I was like, oh my God, I could see why yeah. my dad did that. Yeah. And I don't fucking like it. Yeah. I don't want to think that. You know, uh, I was like, fuck. It was uh-huh. a total mind fuck. Uh-huh. Um, and yes, the plant medicines helped and they brought it to the surface. But at the same time, the work is the work. The work is in 3D. It's fucking every day when your kid's not listening or when somebody's pissed off at you. How do I respond yes. in each moment? Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, big time. I, you know, I felt that love my first time on ayahuasca. I thought it was a thousand hits of MDMA. Yeah. And I knew what a large dose of MDMA was. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. At that point, I had, I had had large doses of ecstasy. And, um, but that, you know, pure organic medicine flowing through me, I think it, I think that was the first stage right after I puked was right. like, feel this. You yeah. know, it was like fucking divine love. Like, oh yeah. shit. Like yeah. it's through every cell in my body. Yeah. And in a large degree, I had not, I had not experienced that before either, you know? Um, so, you know, and all these medicines in the right context have that ability to crack you open and give you the thing that you've been missing. So that's uh-huh. that's beautiful, brother. Uh, uh. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Two years ago, shit hit the fan. Right. And a lot of people were hook, line, and sinker. And there was a few, you know, yeah. people for whatever reason, either the rebel archetype strong or, um, you know, health in a different way. You know, like I've... Not surprised that many people in the same space as me in health and wellness, a lot of speakers from PaleoFX all took the same stance as I did. They this were is like, bullshit. Yeah, they were like, yeah. this is fucking stupid. You're telling, saying people can't go to the gym? <laughs> people can't go to the fucking beach? What's wrong with the beach? You're outdoors. You're yeah. in sunshine. You that, need vitamin D. That makes D3. no sense. No one's talking about it. Fauci's not talking about zinc and vitamin C and any of these things, right? So it was, it was easier to sniff out for some. Um, and then it's in large part for me and you and others, it's been a collection of minds that are all thinking along the same lines. Like, all right, if this is kind of what's happening in the world, how do we respond to that? What are yeah. the necessary requirements? How should we be preparing ourselves, especially when you're a fucking parent? Yeah. What do I need to do to change now? Um, so I do have a choice with what goes into my kid's body. So I do have a choice in what they're taught. All that shit, right? Yeah. Started coming up. Walk us through that. Um, you know, 
walk us through your journey from 2020 onward and, and the developments, yeah. the developments, why you have a farm, why yeah, you right, have right, your own right, school, of course. all that shit. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, so, uh, March of 2020, I, I, I will admit there was a short period where I bought it hook, light and sinker. Like I saw the videos from China, people falling over. I'm like, Oh fuck, this is like, this is like the movie outbreak. Like, uh, I, I actually, for a while, like believed not because I really never believe the government because, like, why would you ever? They've never told the truth about anything unless it's beneficial to them. But I believed, like, what I saw on and the way it developed felt organic and honest at the very beginning to me. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, and you, no one knew, too. It's like... And so uh, for a short period, I was definitely like, oh, this looks bad. You know, we should be careful. We should whatever. And then by April, I'm like, mm, hold on. Like this, something's off here. The the not only you didn't we didn't really know enough to know about COVID, but like the reaction seems super weird. This is not the way uh, a government or organizations react to. Uh, in any, and then by May, I was like, oh, this is bullshit. And then like we were back in doing jujitsu, like you know, like uh, I don't want to throw you over the bus, but. Uh, many of us were more than happy to just go in and roll, and not yeah, everyone. My, our, my, they never shut my kid's school down. He stayed in every fucking day yeah. through it. Even when I too yeah. first couple of weeks, I was like, "Fuck, man!" They closed Texas State Park. We were camping, and they sent us home early with a refund. And I was like, "This has got to be real." Yeah. And but yeah, a couple of weeks later, it was like, "No, no, 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 something's not adding something's up." Something's weird. And, yeah. Yeah, we were sending him to jujitsu. No kids got fucking yeah. sick. No yeah, parents no, got no, sick. Of course not. Um. Uh, and so anyway, so uh. And then, you know, then obviously uh, George Floyd thing hits in the summer. And like, I mean, I got why there were riots. I, I get it, man. That was such a heartbreaking video to watch. But then like governmental agencies who were like literally the day before, you need to stay in your house and, you know, you're killing granny if you leave your house. Like, oh, no, it's different. If 20,000 people are downtown LA, this is a bigger public health emergency. I'm like, okay, this isn't just a little bit of a fraud now. This is total systemic rot. And um, and so that was when, like, uh, uh, my wife, my that was when we really started thinking about, okay, shit sideways. You know, what do, where do we go? What do we do? Because we lived in Austin at that point, like in Barton Creek, which is, that's Austin. And so, uh, like, what do we do? And so, I, I, my thinking on preparation and, and, and disaster and all that was pretty amateurish at the time. And so, it was like, oh, well, go find a bug out place or whatever. So, we've, we knew we'd always wanted a house in the mountains, like a summer house, because we live in Texas. It's fucking Africa hot in the summer. It's horrible. So, we wanted, like, a place to go. And so, uh, uh, she's from Tennessee, from the eastern Tennessee, the mountains. And so, we're like, all right, let's go check that place out. And we found this amazing mountain house. It's beautiful. Bought that in July of 2020. And then, um, so then it's like, okay, like, you know, that'll be our, our bug out place, right? Um, and so then January 6th happens of 2021. And that was when I really woke up. And most people, it's not most people, but a lot of the people who believe what they're told, they're like, oh yeah, that was the day democracy died. I'm like, it might have, but for the opposite reason of what most people think. Because I was I was at my our, our house in the mountains at the time uh, watching what was happening on TV, like watching the live videos, right? And then like, it was, I, I know media. I don't know why this event 
crystallized it for me. I know, because I've been in media for decades. I know how media completely lies about everything. Like I've seen major mainstream publications with long in-depth articles about me that had no relationship to the truth. They weren't even wrong. It's like they were, who are they writing about? Like what, it's, you know, it's like, so I knew all that. I know how fucked up media is. I, I worked in Hollywood. I made movies. I understand all of it. But for whatever reason, I just hadn't put all the pieces together. I mean, I knew, you know, MK Ultra. I knew how fucked up government is. I under all of that, right? But man, watching basically a bunch of drunken buffoons walking, invited into the Capitol, doors open, like those massive doors in the fucking Capitol. You don't just push those things open, dude. Those are like yeah. nuclear blast doors. Carp standing aside. Right. Come on, man. Stop it. I saw it. I saw. And then to watch the media craft a narrative that is so, it wasn't even the opposite. It was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like I had never seen, I don't think I'd ever really fully seen a false flag in front of my face develop in real time in a way that like, where I, where I was too, too invested. And I was like, not that I'm like a Trump person, like, uh, but like I'm not also, I don't have Trump derangement syndrome either, right? Like yeah. I can just see him for who he is. And so I was like, oh, and it was, I don't know what it was, but that was the moment I realized that the Republic had fallen. I don't think it fall, fell, it, I don't know when it fell. It may have been Patriot Act. It may have been, who knows? I, 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 you can make a lot of good cases for when it was, but that was the moment that it sunk in, that it was gone. And that we lived in a sh- total charade, charade, however you want to pronounce it. And that everyone, all the, to the extent that there were ever adults in charge, they were gone, right? They were dead and gone. And it was now sociopathic clowns. And that they had, that the institutions were all corrupt. And that's when I was like, oh, fuck. Now, that was January 6, 2021. January 20th, 2021 was the first time I had ever done ayahuasca. I was, now I came to ayahuasca very late, right? Uh, my mentors in, the, in plant medicine were very much like, knew me really well, knew medicine well. And they kind of led me on a, you know, like a, like a, you know, you teach a kid to swim in very shallow water, then a little deeper and a little deeper. And I didn't get to the deep end of the end. Some people start in the deep end. I'm like, no, man, I'm not doing that shit, right? So I you took had, the you very- had your floaties, right, mask, Dude, I went MDMA first, then a little bit of mushrooms, then bigger mushrooms, then LSD with MDMA. Like, like I, I did the very stair-step approach, and I'm glad I did that. Like, I think if I had started in the deep end, it would not have been a good situation for me. Some people can handle that, and it works well. It did not for me. So I, I got to ayahuasca about two and a half years into my plant medicine journey and with a great amazing guide um and uh just me and and the guide like i don't i'm not a fan of i get why other people do it but it's not not for me and um and that was when it like i had a pretty simple message for me like what the fuck are you waiting for you and your wife know you want to live on land you know you want all this stuff for your kids you know what you want why are you sitting like in this house and also with your thumb up your ass basically and i was like Bitch, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I have nothing to say. I got home and I was like, sweetie, what are we like? I'm like, what are we waiting for? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, let's just go buy a ranch and let, let's go do everything that we say we, we want to do. And she's like, okay. And so house was sold. I got so lucky, man. We sold the house at the peak in Austin. So we got a, I got a grip Smoking for the house. deal. 
smoke. Now I, I bought my house in 2019 in November, and it's almost doubled in price. Yeah. And a lot of the and, the and it's it's you know yeah. it's a suburb. It's a new development yeah. southeast. It's not a million dollar property. Yeah. But it doubled. Yes. It was damn near doubled, yes. right? In two years. And then the houses that were a million, they did double or more, right? They did, they did mine, very, very mine well. Mine went up two and a half X. Damn. Yeah, in four years, right? Which was great. But then I went out to Dripping Dubai and it's like, oh, you're going to get fucked uh-huh. out here. So their <laughs> stuff went up too, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, so we bought a 45 acres in Dripping. And then I got very serious about like, okay, if, if everything I think is true isn't true, I need to relook at society, at governments, at at force, at at you know, authoritative structures from a from a whole new frame, right? And like it's like I felt like I already knew it, but I had I didn't really emotionally know. It's sort of like I was with therapy, like I intellectually got it, but I didn't feel into it until same thing. Like I intellectually understood, yeah, the CIA is horrible and they only care about themselves and blah, but like it didn't really affect my life in 2019. Like in 2019. I owned guns. Like I had a shotgun and a hunting rifle and I think I had a pistol. I didn't carry it anywhere. I mean, like I didn't do any training. Like I, in 2019, I'm like, look, that stuff's cool. Like if you want to go train with Tim Kennedy, like I, I was rolling with him at the time, jujitsu. Like he's a great dude. Cool. Go train. But for me, that's fucking LARPing. Like stop it. <laughs> By 2020, especially 2021, I'm like, oh shit, this isn't LARPing anymore. Like I may actually... It is not unthinkable. The chances in my mind were 0.1% before. Now they're 10% that I'm going to have to pull out a gun and use it on someone to protect myself and my family. Okay, I got to get serious. And so I did a deep dive into all aspects of preparation, everything, violence, every, uh, growing permaculture, everything. And uh, and it was like a whole world opened up, right? And I realized, okay, well, most of the old school preppers are mostly clowns. Because the old school preppers come from the mentality of like nuclear war, like a bomb's going to hit. And so how do I live in a bunker for as long as possible until I die? Was essentially, I'm, I'm being a little bit unfair, but that's basically how, and I'm like, okay, that doesn't work at all. I don't like that at all. So what I, the, the, the position I eventually came to was how do I increase my sovereignty, right? Meaning like, uh, if I, how do I create a life where I get to make all the decisions about myself and my family, as opposed to being told what to do by some other figure who is using at some level violence to to back them, right? Doesn't necessarily mean government. It can mean a lot of other sort of things, right? And so it was like, oh, it's really simple. Once you actually boil it down to that, do I own my water supply? Which I do. Being on land in Texas, we rainwater and well, we're good. Do I own my power supply? All right, we're on the grid, but also solar and generator backups, right? Uh, do I own my food supply? Now I definitely do. I probably have at least two years of uh, of food for the whole family on the hoof, maybe three years. I, we got two two cows, a flock of sheep, a bunch of chickens, like, and we're putting more on. So we're two to three years on the hoof, plus not counting what's uh, you know cold storage or um, or uh, you know dry storage. So we're we're probably a good three years out. It's like, oh, okay preparation really means, and then now, you know, we're putting in permaculture. We're about a year behind you guys or a year and a half behind you guys, but we're going to, I'm going to growing stuff and really create an essentially an abundant universe onto itself. It doesn't mean being off the grid. That's foolish. No one's off the grid in the world anymore, really. And it doesn't mean divorcing from community. In fact, that was part of why we picked Dripping is because there was already a great community there and we knew we could bring a lot to it. And then a bunch of other people came out there. And so uh, preparation for us is how do, we, how do we make ourselves sovereign and how do we join 
or help create a community full of sovereign individuals, but that are together to help, to trade, to support, whatever, to increase our group sovereignty, right? That was really the key for me. And so that's now where where I am, is I'm focused all my effort on that. The next step for me is I think, uh, not I think it is, like uh, doing a lot of like what you're doing, you and Aubrey are doing, is like, okay, you guys are getting your shit together, now you're telling other people what you're doing so they can either join you or do their own version of it, right? Totally on board. Um, uh, like I, that is, that is the more of a, in my opinion, the more people that waking up is not enough. Like there are a lot of people awake. What really matters is what are you doing? Right. Being awake to a problem that you just bitch about and moan about and fret about and get angry about, but don't do anything about. I'm not sure how useful that is. I guess it's better than being asleep, although I debatable. You know, because if you're asleep, if you're not going to do anything, you might as well just be asleep and pretend everything's great. Like, why yeah. be anxious, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're going to wake up, use that anxiety, use that emotion, and turn it into action, right? And so um, that's kind of where I am now is like, how do we, how do we get, because I, dude, I, I don't, so many people like to talk about what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen. You can focus on, you know, the World Economic Forum or you can focus on, I don't know, the Rothschilds or where, where, I don't know. I have no, I mean, there's an, I know enough. I know enough to know that there are at least a few, if not lots of different groups that want to, in the broadest sense, take my shit or tell me what to do. I'm not cool with that. And the way for me to insulate myself from that is to be as sovereign as possible. I don't think I really need to spend a ton of time worrying, is it Klaus Schwab or is it this other shadowy figure? I don't know. Or is it this banker? I don't know, man. And and like every second I spend worrying about the details of Klaus Schwab's wardrobe is a a minute that I'm not spending planting shit that I can eat. You know, I know enough to know I got to get this shit done. And that's really it. That's I think all I really need to know. Like I know I'm in a fight. Right. I don't I don't think right now I need to worry who the person in Europe is that's the biggest threat to me. Cause it's not yeah, them, there might come a time you're if the person's on my land, I need to know who they are, right? I need to know who to shoot. We're not at that stage yet, thank God. And hopefully we don't get there. But that's I didn't really fully wake up in the sense that you're using that word and this shit gets tossed all around including from woke culture um but but waking up to the world as it is in my eyes and your eyes and, and, and many others until maybe like midway through 2020 and i had listened to ike you know for his fourth one on on brian rose he was talking about smart cities and cameras being everywhere and i remember when we bought our house uh there's a camera on every telephone pole or every every light in the entire complex and like this is how the new builds go and I was like, awesome, man. 24-7 surveillance. Yeah, right. my, my wife and kid will be safe when I travel, you know? And I was like, holy shit. After listening, I was like, I'm fu- we're in there, right? The, the, we're in the smart city already, right? And, and I didn't quite connect the dots of like, man, how long is it going to take? I was thinking, still thinking along the lines like, when is the new world order put in place? When is the one world government put it's in place? Going. And then, yeah, exactly. And then I was like, what if? What if we're just seeing the first implementations of something that was installed fucking decades ago, and that was a motherfucking tough pill to swallow? That was really tough. And I was depressed. I had to grieve the society I thought we lived in. I had to grieve the death of that society. I had to, I had to let go of my illusions, feelings of stupidity, like how stupid had I played in that? 
you know, but the, the, the blinders on of believing, no, 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 the world's better than that. No, 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 people wouldn't do that. No, 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 everyone's good. How many times like, have you argued for some step yeah, that by yeah. itself seemed fine, but was part of the plan you hadn't yeah, seen before? Absolutely, yeah, totally. absolutely. And that took a lot. But the thing that, that helped me was shifting into the doing, right? It is the planting of seeds. It is the raising of animals. It is like, fuck, we, we raised 40 chickens in our fucking house, in our living room in Austin just so they would know the kids because we don't live on the farm yet, right? And I want them to know my kids. I want them to be people-friendly. I want them to know my dog. And they can peck our little 18-pound chihuahua shih tzu right on the face, and he'll lay down for them. <laughs> like, he, that's the kind of dog I want around uh, them, right? And then we have a killer dog for fucking killer shit. But for around the chickens, yeah, that's what I want you to do, buddy. I don't want you to bite them. And so, you know, just, but, but having that, that step of what do I do now, there's shit right in front of you. You know, Paul Selig, one of my say what you want. He's a channeler. I think the guy writes a book in 18 days and it's fucking coherent. He knows what the fuck he's doing. Something's coming through, whether it's some guardian angel or it's just his high self, something comes through him and he puts it and it makes sense. One of the things he said uh, was this fable of um, a big guy like Paul Bunyan driving his truck and he's asking God, what do I do? Why am I here? Why am I here? You heard this? No. Okay. So he's saying that every fucking day he's in his truck. What am I doing? What do, what, why am I here? Why am I here? And this big, he comes up to this big fucking tree that's fallen in the night and it's blocking the road and he gets out of the truck and he's just big enough that he can move this thing by himself. He gets it off the side of the road. He gets back in his truck. Why am I here? Why am I here? Not realizing he's here for the work that's right in front of him. It's the work of the day and it's nothing more than that. Right. And like that, that really hit home because when I started applying that, like shit, I got enough time. I got help, right? I can't, I can't farm full time because everything else I'm doing, but I got help for that. I got people that want to be a part of this. And that extends community. I can go to fucking Sheepdog whenever I want. Let's actually do that. I was the same thing, man. I was training with Tim. I remember when I got to On It in 2017, Yeah, he took me shooting with Jeff Gonzalez, lead instructor at the range. So I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And I went home that day and I was like, yeah, that was really cool. No intentions of fucking going back and making that like a weekly practice or buying a membership. No intentions of that. And, um, you know, yeah, 2020 came along and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> whoops <laughs> this is a motherfucking requirement this is a gaping hole in my ability to protect my family because you know i remember my, when my when i was young my dad said hulk hogan can't stop a bullet arnold schwarzenegger can't stop a bullet you know what i'm saying can't like that's just, a bullet. yeah exactly it's yep. a different level right we're talking projectiles now we're talking weaponry and um really diving into that as one piece of the puzzle has allowed me to sleep better at night. Having my wife go to that allows me to sleep better tonight. You know, like there's, there's so many of those things that allow me to push whatever future awaits to the side. And I say, right now, I can do this and it's awesome. And, and, if, and if none of that shit ever comes to fruition, am I going to be upset that I started a fucking organic biodynamic farm? Absolutely not. Am I going to be upset that I helped heal the soil and fucking, you know, for all of climate change bullshit, like actually healed the earth? Like, fuck yeah, man. I want to do that no matter what happens. I, I wrote that in the piece I wrote about Doomer Optimism. It's, it's on, on TuckerMax.com. At the end, I'm like, listen, I could totally, it is entirely possible. I don't think it's plausible, but it is possible that I am seeing shit wrong. And that, you know, Klaus Schwab is just some fat European clown and all the, the control stuff and all this and that it isn't, yeah, it's not really happening the way I think it is and things are going to be fine and go back to normal. That's possible. But even if that's true, exact, at the end of this, I am going to be safer, happier, healthier, living on a ranch with my kids, closer to me, spending more time with them. I win anyway. Like if, if, 
if what I'm seeing is right and some form of chaos, disruption, whatever, uh, 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 apocalypse is coming, I'm going to be, you know, ready and better prepared than most. And if it doesn't, okay, cool. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, like it yeah. Was, I posted my EDC one time on Twitter, and someone's like, "Like, aren't you going to feel stupid if you carry that for forty years and nothing happens?" I'm like, "That's the best case scenario. <laughs> that That's what case. I want. You think I, I want to kill somebody? I pray to God I will never shoot a right? human. Ever? You think I want to pull this knife and put it in someone's neck? No, that's fucking. I've had to kill a sheep on our land. One of the dogs got in the sheep pen and killed it, and then you know we gave it away. But like, I had to kill a fucking sheep, and that was that was horrifying, dude. Like, I don't." killing a person no dude i don't want to it's i know it, it just it cracks me up that people can't see it's like okay the worst case scenario is to me that i'm right that's not the best the best case scenario is i'm wrong but my our life is still a hundred times better i think so many people are and i i and I say this because i used to be i even though i thought i wasn't stuck in you know the matrix in the broadest sense i was i was living in a mcmansion and it's, I lived like uh, 200 yards away from Aubrey. Like I lived in the, yeah. the one right over, right? Uh, I, you know, living in a McMansion, um, uh, uh, living a Mick life, um, e- even though I was you know, I way healthier and did all the sort of the best version of that, I was still in that system. Like I did not really own anything. I did not really control anything. I was not responsible for my own safety, whether it was physical safety, food safety, water safety, none of it. Now it's like, okay, I'm not 100% for all of it, but I'm like somewhere between 50 and 90% for all of it, right? Which totally fundamentally changes not just my orientation to life, but my children's now. Like my eight-year-old is playing with your seven-year-old. There's seven, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, your seven-year-old. And he has his little custom little knife on his desk. And it's like, it's so funny. Some people are like, why does that eight-year-old have a knife? I'm like, because he's responsible. Because he knows how to use it. And where we live, he carries it for a reason, right? But he'll, like, he he know. It's a, I, I, would, I would rather have a hard life that is mine than an easy life that is not. That's what it boils down to for me. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely fucking love that. Well, brother, we're right at an hour. I can do this again with you and again with you, and I'd rather do that than try to stretch it three hours. And you got, I think, a podcast. Are you going on Tim's today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the name of his podcast? He just started it. Uh, uh, it's like the violence, violence. About Violence. About Violence. Yeah, about fucking violence. brilliant. Yeah, I was listening to some clips. I can't wait. He's good to at violence. That. Yeah, he is very good at violence. <laughs> quite good. His instructors have, uh, what is it, a uh, violence advisor, violence advisor stitched yeah. into the side of the yeah. 511 shirt. I'm like, fuck, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, brother, I really enjoyed getting to spend time with you this weekend, getting our shooting in, our grappling in, striking, all that fun shit. Uh, I'm super pumped to show you what we got going on here. Yeah. And, I'm, and I really am excited that, you know, it's not, there is no island oasis that exists in this yeah. scenario, yeah, right? No, it's it's no. all these lights getting turned on and then connecting to each other to enhance the community, to enhance sovereignty that builds Voltron and becomes unfuckwithable. And at that point, you can't say, our sure. plan works. It's yeah. not going to work, yeah. right? Yeah. And if none of that ever happens, then fucking, yeah, we're living our best life no matter what. So yep. thank you for coming on. Where yes. can people find you online? TuckerMax.com. Yep. Awesome, brother. 